0: It's interesting, last week as I was speaking again, we, we spoke about love really over the last couple of weeks and what that would mean for the church, that love builds a church. And it's so true. It's, it's like everything else becomes secondary to what love is, right? Our gifts, our calling, they're secondary. If, if there's no love attached to it, then what's the point? It's just this big clanging gong, um, a symbol that's just banging away in our ears that's annoying us because we know there's no heart with it. Um, And it was an interesting question I was asked at the end. Um, Some people take notes and some people write questions and one of the questions was was asked to me, how do I love my enemy? What does that really mean? Because while we're called to love each other, that has to be the base of the church, right? Imagine imagine having a church that had no love and you're out there expressing the love of Christ to the world around you and you're saying, you need to become a Christian, come into the family of God, come into the church and they walk into a church and there's no love. What would that be like? That would be crazy, right? But then there's also this love for enemy that, that we're going to talk about. But guess what? We're doing that next week. <laughs> so if you want to learn how to love your enemy or what God says about that, come next week. Because it's really it was a really good question, right? How do I love my enemy? But this week I wanted to really talk about um, the future for us and thinking of it as a church. And why I'm doing this is that yesterday we had a, a meeting Uh, seminar day sort of thing, where we're talking about discipleship with the church and things that come up in that were just incredible, really. Like, it was just a really good day. I, I enjoyed it so much. But the essence of it was this, that without discipleship, discipleship always builds a church. If you build a church, it doesn't always produce disciples. Okay. The other side of that, too, was with mission, evangelism, things like that, and it says that mission always comes out of discipleship, that it's a cause of discipleship. And this this whole, sometimes this, this thought that we have is that it's a big thing, you know, to, to reach out to the world, it's a big thing, and it's an event, it's a program, it's a this, it's a that, or it's another. And it's really pairing it right back to this, that our evangelism, our reaching out to the world comes from a result of us being disciples of Christ and discipling others. That That what we... Uh, reproduce is of us. So back in, the old, back in the Old Testament and New Testament, in fact, they had rabbis which were part of the Jewish uh, religion and what would happen is a mum would take their kid, they'd, they'd look at the rabbi and go, we like him um, and we think that it would be awesome if our kid, and it was boys back then, got brought up in the way that that rabbi works. So what they'd do is they'd pay the money usually and say, hey, can you look after my kid? What I want you to do is to teach him everything, everything about what you do. So the rabbi would take this person on like a little apprentice and walk with them and what would happen is that that boy would learn how do I make my bed? Oh, however, my rabbi makes a bed, that's how I'm making it. If he eats with his left hand, I'll eat with my left hand. If How does he love his wife? How does all these things happen? And it was like this walking together with someone to produce a disciple. Now, we can produce good disciples or bad disciples. Jesus basically criticised some of what they did and said, you are making disciples, but guess what? They're twice the son of Satan that you are, which is not a great compliment, right, (laughs) about what you're doing. So in other words, their life was transferred to the others, right? Right? there's this transference of life. And we learn in different ways. Like we learn because we come to a school, we'll come and we'll listen to a lecture or do a class and we learn the theory of stuff. And that's probably the most common way we think we have to learn in, in our society, right? That's one of the ways, there's apprenticeship, which is where we grab someone, we take them out of school, so, so to speak, and we walk with them, we show them what to do and teach them how to do something. So if I'm a plumber, for example, um, I've been to school and all I've learned about is how to uh, fix a tap and I go out and I'm fixing my first tap. There's a million things that could be different about that tap. I've got no experience, I've got no, nobody walking beside me and how to do it so if I don't have someone with me to teach me the ropes, I can make big mistakes. And then the last one, immersion, where we're just in the environment. So think about this as, as a church, for example, the immersion, what do people feel when they come into Cornerstone? Uh, Because we're talking about us, right? Cornerstone. And and that would be like this. I'm born into a family that speaks French. Guess what language I'm going to speak? French, good guess. (laughs) It's actually not a really hard guess, right? But if I took that child at the age of six months and put it into a family that spoke English, the child is not going to grow up speaking French still. The environment had an amazing impact on what was happening with that child, right? Because French-speaking mum and dad, I speak French. French uh, English-speaking mum and dad, I'm going to speak English. That's how it works, that immersion, the culture, the, the whatever it is that is part of that family, that environment begins to breed in a person because you're immersed in it. It's the culture that you're in. We, we talk about it as being culture, but if we just think about it as this, is who we are, rubs off on other people. And why I wanted to talk about that is that the question I asked yesterday was, do you know what Cornerstone will look like in 30 years' time? you a good question, right? Because we're sitting here today, and some of us will be dead by then. Um, others will move away from Darwin. Other of us will be just kids, but now we're adults. We're, we're actually in the church, and we're, we're not babies anymore. Like There's a heap of babies everywhere. It's, A baby boom at the moment. Amazing. Um, (laughs) It's good, isn't it? But those babies that are there now in 30 years time, they're going to be adults. And hopefully we're creating an environment at Cornerstone that makes them walk into a future that is that they love God. That they are wholeheartedly serving Him. That that they are giving their lives for the cause of the gospel, for building the kingdom of God. And you can't guarantee anything in life, right? But you can sure see what happens. Have you been in a work environment that is just totally toxic, where you walk in and, and you see the cars in the car park, and you're like, oh, I can't believe they're here, I don't even want to go to work today, I, I just know what it's like. You walk into that workplace, and, and I've experienced different workplaces... Some workplaces are like this. You walk in and everybody's gossiping about each other. They don't like each other. There's conflict everywhere. And, and it's just a horrible place to be. And you might walk into another place where you walk in and everyone's friendly and nice and loving and you're like, wow. You can even walk into two different, like I'll, I'll use the example of early learning centres, <laughs> where there's one where the, the teachers are really loving and kind to the kids and the kids seem to be coming loving and kind. And another one where they don't really care, and the kids just run amok and run wild, and it's not a happy place. And often we can walk into those places and we think, why is that like that? Oh, and often the comments are like, wow, you're just lucky to be working in such a workplace. It's, it's such a good environment, it's just lucky. It must be the people that are there, and you know, it's luck. It's not luck. I know exactly what this church will look like in 30 years if I look at us. Because when I go out and I grab a seed off a tree and I look at that tree, I'm looking at it and I'm going you know what, I'm planting this orange tree, well I wouldn't do it in darn it, wouldn't grow but let's keep it simple. (laughs) And I plant this orange tree seed and I'm expecting a lemon to come out of the ground. Does that happen? It doesn't, right? And so what we've got to think is what church do I think Cornerstone should be like in 30 years' time? Let's have a look at the seed principle. If we could just bring up um, the verses here. Wait, that's not it. Have I given you the wrong one? All right, let's go to Genesis. Let's scrap that. Can you see a Genesis one on there anywhere? Nope, I did check it. This is all my fault. <laughs> okay. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, okay? So this is talking about the creation of the world and what God did. It is up there. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> the creation of the world, Genesis 1, 11 and 12, then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. <laughs> These seeds (laughs) will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Next one. Genesis 1, 20 and 21. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures. Every living thing that scurries and warms swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And our last one, God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Now you'll notice that I put little yellow bits there about the thing that God said, it will produce things of its own kind, which is against an evolutionary process, by the way, because the seed produced what it came from. And the question I want you to think about today is, as cornerstone Christian fellowship, what is it that we want to see coming from this church in 30 years' time? Because if we start to think about that seed principle that it's very much this: whatever I sow is what's going to grow." I know exactly what the church is going to look like in 30 years, almost, despite the fact that God can act amazingly well and outside our boundaries. But I could see what type of worship we're growing into by the seeds that are sown. I can see whether people are being involved in discipling by what sort of seeds I see. I can see who's interested in praying. I can see who's interested in um, helping out at the church and and what it looks like to be generous because the seeds that are sown are the seeds that grow. And so for us, there's such an importance for us to realise that what we do counts. It counts a lot. And so as we were thinking about this discipleship thing yesterday, I was like, what do we want to see? What is the end product that we're looking at? What does a fully formed Christian look like, someone who's mature in faith that loves God? Are we going to produce that? I can tell you right now, whatever we produce is exactly what we design ourselves to produce. Exactly. The the process that we are involved in right now is producing exactly the outcome that that process should produce. If I go into a workplace that is bitter and angry, after a bit of time what happens? I become bitter and angry. If I go into a workplace that's about blaming other people after a while, I start to blame other people. Because the, the overwhelming presence, the essence, the culture of that place that I am immersed in begins to become who I am which is why as Christians we firstly need to be immersed in the love of God and understand that we love Him, because without being immersed in that love, we are never going to love anyone else very well. That is why as people who are now planting a church in Howard Springs, that one day in 30 years' time will look like something is dependent entirely on you and the seeds you sow today. Proviso God comes in and does an amazing work. Well, we know that's true, don't we? We know there's churches that have been around for decades that are dying, that are lifeless, that, that don't seem to have the life of God in them. Why? Because that's exactly what they're designed to produce, a lifeless Christian walk. And I don't want Cornerstone to be like that. I don't want it to be that we, as a body of believers, are producing a lifeless Christian walk for those who are growing up for the children that are in this place for those that come in from outside that receive Jesus that if they come into this place what do they see what do they see what's your worship like because that is exactly the worship that is going to flow on to other people Is is it when you come into this place that you're excited to be here, that God could be present, that God might move, that when you're worshipping you want it to be vibrant and exciting but you also want it to be reflective and deep and heartfelt because whatever fruit is produced will be directly because of you? What is it that we display as disciples of Christ? Are we really living out this work That he has commanded us to do and it's like we have to teach people his commandments which are love God love others we right now are producing the church that is going to exist in 30 years time if we don't look after people who are sick that are in our group of people that we have friends with or to do with and if we don't care and love them Guess what? That's going to be the total culture of this church. We don't care, we don't love. If we're not generous with our time and money, that's exactly the church we're producing down the road. If we're disinterested in the things of God, that's exactly the church that we're going to produce down the road. If we don't think that God can actually move with prayer, that's exactly the disciples that we're going to produce. Isn't that interesting? Because often, because we live in this Western society, our mindset is definitely on the teaching side of things as a way of learning, isn't it? Learning means being a disciple. Disciple equals learner. We never stop learning. But, but we often think that, don't we? Because that's what church is about. We come, we, we listen to a message. Maybe we might even go to a connect group, um, things like that, and it's very much... You know, I'm going to become a disciple because I've done a discipleship course for two weeks and I've learnt all the theory about what that's like. I've, I've learnt the love of God because someone gave me a lecture about how God loves me. But until I experience, until I know it, until I'm walking with someone who can show me the love of God, expressed daily in their life, I don't really understand it. And what can happen is that in a church we can throw the responsibility on the church. Now we're all happy to espouse that the church is the people but when it comes down to what's not being done the church is standing right here. (laughs) Or on the committee. The church isn't doing this, the church isn't doing that, the church isn't visiting the sick, the church isn't teaching people about Christ, the church isn't... Training my children, the church isn't this, the church isn't that. We are the church, and we are the called disciples. We are the ones who are meant to be activated in faith, that we take the knowledge that we hear, and we plant it in our hearts, and we begin to bear fruit from it. It's us. We are the church. I am a part of the body as a pastor. That's all I am, and and I always say it. Tomorrow God could tell me, Neil, you're not meant to be the pastor here anymore. I don't care. As long as I'm obedient to God and as long as I know and I trust God he would put someone else up here tomorrow, that would be the right person for the job. It really doesn't matter. All I do is come and play my part in this orchestra that is the family of God, that every flute, every fiddle, every instrument, every drum, whatever it is, every guitar, is playing the tune, but together we're creating a melody. That we are in tune with each other and with God because the Spirit moves. And the reason I believe that God put it on my heart today is I just want you to understand the importance, the gravity of that statement that it is up to you because you are the church. Honestly, if we think about what we do in our life, what we even convey to our children about what we think of God, the people of God and the church of God, sometimes we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Because what we're doing is we're forming and grabbing the hearts and minds of young children and we're saying the church is a place where we're all hypocrites or the church is this, I don't like this person, I don't like that person I'm holding unforgiveness against them and this is what we do in the church or are they seeing this, man that person hurt me but I forgive them they're my brother in Christ, I love them and the children are seeing the grace that's flowing from us are they seeing people who have come to church and go, oh man singing? I don't like that Or are they seeing people that are genuinely interested in lifting up the name of the King of Kings and and coming in and saying, what a pleasure it is this morning that I'm with my brothers and sisters. And you know what? I'm going to get over myself and I'm just going to enter in and I'm going to worship God with my brothers and sisters because I know what the Word of God says and I want to live it out. I want to show my children that it's a pleasure and a joy to serve my King. When I'm doing something for God, am I out there doing it and complaining about how nobody helps me and this, that and the other and you know, everyone's slack and lazy and I don't like any of them and they all should be doing this and they all should be doing that and our kids are listening to us. That's what church is about. Yeah. That's what church is about. I've got to go and do stuff and complain and whinge. Or just give up and not do anything because that's what we do. Or is it this heart service towards the Lord, the joy in it that flows through and, and my kids see that I love going along <laughs> and I love helping. And even if no one's helping me, that I'm just enjoying what God's given me to do. It's interesting, but it's so much better when we do it together. My brother-in-law was really interesting. There was a time when I was going through a very hard time in terms of I just felt like there was no team. There was no nothing happening. and um, I wasn't heavy or hard-hearted or anything like that, but it was just one of those hard times. Things were hard. And And he had a... A, a prophecy, whatever he was praying from, He said, know, this is what I saw. He said, I saw you plowing a field and it was like really muddy, sort of like a rice paddock. And you were the one just pulling the plow by yourself. And he said, but then I saw this vision of all these people coming and helping you pull that plow. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. You know how God just sometimes gives you that word that lifts you up? You're like, in that hard season, because we do get them, That you know what? God's got something coming for you. God's got something coming for you. And sometimes we can give up in those things. And, and even now in, in the environment that we're in, the way the world views the church, we try to hide, we try to get back and, and pull back into this shelter. But God says this is perfect because revival comes when you're in a wicked city. That's the only reason that God sends prophets to a city is because they're wicked, they need to turn around and things need to change, that the love of God has to come and people need to understand that the power of God is working. And as a church, what a pleasure it is to be in those times today because it gives a chance for that light to just shine. We don't want to give up. We don't want to stop praying because we don't pray because we actually really do not believe God can do something. If we did, we'd pray. But for some reason we've neglected and stopped thinking that God is all-powerful, that he's able to do abundantly more than we ask and think, and so we neglect the prayer time, We, we neglect coming together. We don't think we can really pray for a revival because we don't actually believe revival can even happen. But what our church is going to be like in 30 years is this faith-filled, alive church that believes in their God because you guys here are going to be that example to them. You are going to be the guys that are showing them how to live a Christian life. You are going to be the guys that show them how you worship God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. You guys are going to be the ones that believe the word of God and despite what's happening in your life, you're going to go, no, this is what God says and I'm going to obey it. And your children are going to see it. The kids at Sunday school are going to see it. The youth are going to see it. They're going to see something special because this church is built on love. Yeah. I'm going to speak that over this church. This church is built on love. This church is one that is alive and vibrant. This church is one that is not ashamed of the gospel. (laughs) It's a good life we live. And what I want to encourage you today, and I'm going to end right here, is we'll just put up this last verse, please. (laughs) Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the time, at the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. (laughs) Don't give up. Come on, keep pushing through. Keep believing in your God. Keep holding fast to that truth and don't get tired of doing what is right, what is good, because there's a harvest coming. How do I know that? Because if we keep planting the right seed, we cannot help but get what we planted. We can't help it. It's a principle that God has set in motion. What you sow is what's going to grow. Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness today. I thank you, Lord, that we are the church of the future. Because we are going to plant today what we're going to see tomorrow. Father, I just pray that you would stir our hearts, Lord, even challenge us where we have been unrighteous, where we have been disinterested in the things that you have for us. Lord, I just pray a stirring up of our spirit over this week. Lord, challenge us as to our attitudes, our our ways of thinking, our ways of acting that do not reflect the glory of God in this place. Because, Lord, we want this church to just reflect your glory through everything. I just want to dedicate it to you today, Lord God, and I just pray that we would be very careful in thinking about what seeds we are putting into the ground in our life, in the life of those around us, in the life of our children, wherever it might be, Father God, that we would carefully choose the right seeds and we would plant the right seeds. And Lord, as Christians, we would be soil that takes that right seed in and lets your spirit work it in our life, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it may be that you are not a Christian here today, that you've come to church, might be your first time here and it's a bit different to what you thought, but this one truth remains and it's what Ron talked about in communion. Jesus died for your sin and he rose again. For you to have life everlasting it's going to give an opportunity to pray with me now if you want to receive the life of christ in you if you're thinking right now i need god and you'll know it because you'll just feel something stirring in your heart right now and the bible says today is a day of salvation don't put it off take the opportunity today to invite jesus into your life if you want to pray that prayer i'm just going to pray it in a minute Make sure you speak to a friend you came with or if you didn't come with anyone, come and see me. I'll be up the front after we've sung at the end. and Just say, I prayed that prayer with you, Neil, and we'll work out our next steps. If that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to pray with me now and, and just pray this prayer with me. Father God, I'm so sorry for not loving you, for not living my life for you. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus so that my sin could be forgiven. Forgive me today. I just want to be fresh and clean before you, Lord. I thank you that Jesus died for me. I thank you that he rose again to life. I might not fully understand it right now, but God, I just want to invite you in. From this day on, I just want to live for you.